Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this week's episode, we're finding out more about the electric car revolution and how it's impacting automotive suppliers. I'm joined by Sam Weisberg, Deputy Editor and Industrial Senior Reporter for Merger Market. Hi, Sam. Hi. How are you? Good. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's start with the big picture. We know that across the globe, car makers are phasing out the manufacture of internal combustion engines as they work towards the Paris Agreement and net zero. But what's the situation in the US and what's the appetite for electric vehicles there? Obviously, the country's home to Tesla, which has kind of led the charge in many ways for the mass uptake of electric cars globally. But America is, as we know, is a country which loves its cars. It's got one of the highest rates of ownership in the world. Yeah, I would say the appetite is very, very strong. Um, But the numbers are kind of interesting because, of course, um, on the whole, it makes up a pretty, electric vehicles make up a pretty small percentage of overall cars on the road, um, especially in this quite abnormal year of of a year and a half of covid um, so it's it's two to three percent of the vehicles on the road, but uh, you're seeing analyst reports. Um, there was a very interesting one from UBS actually, which said that uh, while internal combustion engine vehicles, uh, regular vehicles today, bring in combined revenue of around 1.8 trillion, that's actually projected to shrink to 1.07 trillion by 2030. While electric vehicles are going to see a huge, huge, uh, they're anticipated to see a huge. Uh, bump up from 1.6 trillion now to 182 billion, um, and of course, but that's by 2030. So that's sort of um, where we're at. Is that there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of appetite, strong um, projections, but of course, only two to three percent of the cars on the road, and a, you know, nine nine or even nine years away is a long time to predict. Uh, kind of how disruptive it's going to be. So how are the major US car makers adapting to this shift in electric? We've seen a lot of the European ones, although not all of them, uh, set out their timeline for for stopping production of internal combustion engines. So, yeah, the big three, or I would say especially Ford and General Motors, um, have yeah, some pretty ambitious goals. General Motors said they're going to phase out gasoline-powered engine uh, vehicles by 2035. And a few weeks later, uh, a few weeks after that, this was all kind of early, early to mid 2020. They said this. So shortly after that, Ford said they have an all electric target for passenger vehicles. Um, I think at least in Europe by by 2030, and I would imagine America shortly thereafter. And what about the suppliers? How are they adapting to this huge shift in the industry? So it kind of varies. Um, you have a company like Eden. Uh, which is diversified, but they have a pretty big vehicle products division. And they're announcing that they're going to develop these gearing solutions for electric vehicles to kind of improve the vehicle's range and performance. Um, they have what's called an e-mobility portfolio. It's all electric vehicle components. And so they're they're kind of already getting on that, um, making uh, those components. Borg Warner, uh is kind of even more ambitious. They want 45% of their total revenue from electric vehicle products by 2030. It's less than 3% currently. So that's a huge bump, even if it's nine years away. Um, And they're going to 
deploy around $5.5 billion for um, mergers and acquisitions of uh, electric assets uh, by 2030. They plan to spend that amount by 2030. And they're also going to divest their older internal combustion engine businesses. Um, that's projected to be a total of three to four billion in revenue by 2025. Uh, so that's very near term. But then you have a company like Tenneco, which has a lot of uh, internal combustion engine components and systems. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, those guys have to worry. You know, they really have to get out of the trade. They have to really start phasing down." But some people are very. A lot of people are very calm and saying. 10 years is a long time. And, you know, some people are saying this might not happen till 2050. And so Tenneco on their earnings statement at the end of the year said for the foreseeable future, uh, it's expected majority of powertrains for light and commercial vehicles will be gasoline and diesel. And they also do hybrids. So some people are still still think like hybrids are kind of the way to go for now. So different strategies from different companies, but you mentioned there some of the really ambitious ones that are looking to phase out the production of components or, or parts for internal combustion engines within the next decade. How is this impact to the M&A strategies of the OEMs? So I would say the biggest, the biggest impact it's had is, okay, so the big, the big players are announcing this big shift over. And then you have all these small companies trying to be as disruptive as possible, but they have a ways to go. And so, and they kind of want to compete uh, with the Fords and the GMs of, of the world. And so the best way for them to do that, especially in a year like this, with just a very slow year and it ends and there's private equity firms and investment firms just sitting on tons and tons of cash and capital, uh, the fastest way to do that is through the SPAC, the, uh, the Special Purpose Acquisition Company. And so you're seeing um, a few of those. Um, some have come to fruition and some are, there's a lot of talk that it could come to fruition. And so I would say that's kind of the biggest as far as m and I did see an interesting one recently. There was a company called, this wasn't quite a SPAC, but there was a company called Battle Motors. And it was started by a guy who had already uh, founded and, and taken public a company called Romeo uh, Romeo Power, which was uh, electric batteries, and he took that public, and and it was successful, and so he started Battle Motors, so sort of as like a a shell company, and then they bought a very interesting business um, called uh, it's called a Cargo Carrier, and they make um, a, a electric uh, electric trucks, electric dump trucks actually, and and refuse trucks, so um, they bought them, and that's now their main product, and they're still integrating it, um, building out their factory, but they're going to be doing a lot of M&A. They have a very, very, amp they want to triple their revenue within a year. So they're going to be pretty ambitious on the M&A front. So how do you see the shape of the industry changing with just this huge shift in the sector? So I think, um, I think right now, um, you, you actually, are, you're already starting to see, um, I meant to mention this earlier, you're already starting to see actually some issues with, with the SPACs. Um, so like one of the companies that, uh, that went public, Lordstown Motors, um, has already had some uh, issues that they've, they had a huge loss. They didn't generate the cash that they expected to, and they already need additional capital. So that's kind of causing some investor trepidation, if not alarm. Um, 
And there have been some other companies that um, just haven't uh, haven't traded close to where they traded when they first floated. So there is because they're so early stage because they have a ways to go. So I think it's sort of it's going to take kind of a couple of years to really see how disruptive these companies with the hot new technology are um, and to sort of see how they're competing um, how quickly they're moving in comparison to say Ford and and GM who already have the infrastructure um, and, and the and the capital to make the shift. Um, but I would say either way, if you're seeing Ford and GM and their suppliers make that leap, um, even if even if you don't have the smaller competitors um, making that big a dent, um, you know that equals more electric vehicles on the road, more electric technology on the road, and I think that'll be um, we're going to get closer and closer. I mean, I certainly think by 2030 we'll be closer to what people are projecting now, if not quite as uh, ambitiously all electric. And are these companies, are they pursuing cross-border deals or are there enough homegrown businesses for OEMs and the car companies themselves to acquire? I guess it really, it sort of depends on on the business. Um, I know that company I just mentioned, really, they kind of want made in America. They want like, the, you know, the most made in America technology uh, to kind of... The, have that as like a boasting point. Um, but you are seeing, you're certainly seeing, um, you know, European electric vehicle, self-driving vehicle investments from U.S. investors. Uh, you're, you're seeing a lot of Chinese, uh, Chinese, Chinese disruptive tech uh, that's getting some U.S. investment. Um, but I would say... Uh, so far, like the acquisitions and the specs, there's plenty going on in America. And would you say that the US OEMs are pursuing the same approach as their European or other international counterparts? Yeah, I think definitely like the Edens of the world, the Borg Warners are definitely like, this is not going to stay the same. Um, and 10 years is faster than you would think. And um, you, we have to start shifting over there there is a, there is some skepticism there's definitely some healthy skepticism um i talked to one company that kind of they sell of every kind of car part um old new uh electric hybrid internal combustion engine and they think you know we have a ways to go they think 10 years is even a little too ambitious to think the number of electric vehicles on the road is going to skyrocket there, there are, there's trepidation about infrastructure. There's trepidation about the uh, driving time that, that the current power charging stations give you. That if you're not in a big city with lots of power charging stations, um, if your commute is longer than, say, 40 to 50 miles a day, if you don't have the infrastructure at home to charge your car and your job or your lifestyle entails a lot of, you know, long distance driving, there is kind of, there's a paucity of charging stations. Um, and so, you know, nobody wants their car to break down on a 250, 300 mile trip. And the the, the electric companies, uh, the electric battery companies and, and charging station companies are, are trying to get around that. I think Tesla rolled, is rolling out a vehicle that can get 400 miles per charge. But um, there's definitely, there's still a ways to go. And is the, with Joe Biden as the president now, is there a greater appetite to put in that infrastructure? I think he'll definitely support 
yeah, more and more and more infrastructure, definitely. And and just one last question. We mentioned it a couple of times. Where where does Tesla fit into this picture? How do they work with the the suppliers? Have they created their own supply chain? Are, are there new companies that, that only supply Tesla? That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure about the, the only supplier, but I think they will have a few captive suppliers. I feel like the companies going public now doing the SPAC, the SPACs, the small guys that are um, trying to get this infusion of capital and, and really yeah, get the capital to boost their product um, could end up being captive suppliers to Tesla or, or uh, let's just say like, you know, mainly Tesla. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Great. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much. That was Sam Weisberg, Deputy Editor and Industrial Senior Reporter for Merger Market. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of DealCast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.